0: Think of e-commerce in India, and Flipkart is the first company that comes to your mind that catapulted India's startup ecosystem and made entrepreneurship what it is today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to my show, Kariyap Startup Podcast, a podcast to spotlight Asian leaders, and this is your host, Priyanka Komla. Our special guest for today is investigative journalist with Mint, Meher Dalal from Bangalore, India. His first book, Big Billion Startup, The Flipkart Story, is just out, and Meher was gracious to come to our show to share insights on the book and life as a journalist back in India. Welcome to my show, Meher.
1: Happy to be here, Priyanka
0: Thank you, Meher. It's been an absolute pleasure to connect with you and congratulations on your book. Thank you. How Thanks. does it feel?
1: Yep, it's been um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's 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 a very new experience, obviously, and uh, you know I'm really happy that um, it's just been about three weeks uh, since we launched the book, and uh, so far, uh, you know, the word of mouth about the book and the extensive press coverage, you know, it's it's been very encouraging to see that. I understand this is like the first big business book that's covering. One of India's biggest startups. Uh, You're right. I mean, you know, this is probably the first uh, extensive in depth uh, biography of. Uh, of an internet startup in india while there are uh, other books on the startup space they've been more bigger picture and you know more generic uh, perspectives on uh, the startup ecosystem Uh, there are very few books that go really deep into a large startup and uh, you know look at narrate the story of one specific uh, uh, company yeah so from that point of view it is uh, probably the first book that does that
0: that's a huge accomplishment congratulations again thanks and before we delve deeper into your book, I want to give our audience a perspective about who Meher is as a person. So Mihir, you were born and brought up in uh, Bombay and I know you've lived for the last decade in Bangalore. Can you share a cultural tidbit for our global audience about both Bombay and Bangalore?
1: I mean, yeah, this this is something, uh, you know, that uh, you notice uh, uh, in Bangalore immediately, uh, especially if you've lived in Bombay. I mean, Bangalore is still... Uh, a i mean it's it's really not a, a big city as such uh, it it often feels like it's it's a small city that's been forced to become a big city and that is not okay with it um, so you know the culture uh, the pace of life over here it's it's very much uh, much much slower than uh, bombay uh, people are not uh, very commerce driven over here compared with bombay um, yeah, but uh, Bangalore has its uh, perks as well. I mean, uh, you know, the weather is just absolutely gorgeous over here for for maybe like even ten months of the year. And um, yeah, it's it's uh, the uh, the standard of living is far higher than Bombay. The cost of living is far lower than Bombay. So yeah, so these are some differences between um, Bangalore and Bombay. Um, but having said that, it it to- if you're in Um, if you're in this, if you want to be part of the startup scene, then, I mean, Bangalore is a place to be.
0: Yeah, Bangalore has become a a hub for the ecosystem and it's interesting to compare and contrast the culture of both the cities. So, thank you for that. So, which one is your favorite now, Meher? Bombay or Bangalore? (laughs)
1: Um, So, I uh, while I'm from Bombay, I cannot see myself living there uh, because I think um, just daily life is such a grind over there and uh, you know, it's it's just too expensive. And uh, yeah, it's, I think from that perspective, I do prefer Bangalore.
0: As a journalist with Mint, India's financial newspaper, meher you've covered Flipkart and other internet businesses for more than five years. You have had stints with Reuters and CNBC TV 18 how do you see your life as a journalist?
1: Um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's a very interesting question. Because when I began my career, that was the middle of 2008. So that was really the peak of, uh, I mean, you know, the the global economy was booming. And that was really the peak of um, pre-recession, uh, you know, uh, world order. And yeah, so I started my career at that time. And then Five months uh, after, uh, you know, I joined, like I I became a journalist, um, you know, the world went into recession and, um, you know, things just completely changed after that. So um, then I worked at Reuters for about three and a half years. And, uh, you know, Reuters is a completely different news organization than most other uh, news organizations. I mean, it's it's just so massive. It has a global presence. Um, so the the perspective that you get at reuters is 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 really unique um and then uh after three and a half years over there i uh joined mint um and at that time again you know newspapers um were doing relatively okay and especially in india you know we haven't seen the kind of uh 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 like the kind of destruction that the U.S. newspaper industry has seen, for instance, that hasn't happened in India. And in two thousand and twelve, certainly it was. Um, I mean, most newspapers were thriving. Um, so from from there to now, uh, you know, again, it's it's been a sea change because now the threat uh, that is posed by the internet is is starting to play out in a far bigger way. So yeah, I think uh, being a journalist is is really really challenging right now. Um, you know, job security is is, is questionable. Um, even, uh, you know, the ki- kind of work that you have to do, the number of hours that you have to put in, it, everything is like, yeah, so it's, it's just far more stressful right now uh, and in the recent past than it was. So, yeah, so I think uh, the, the newspaper industry is, is at a very interesting place in India. And I think uh, over the next five years, you will see, a lot of changes uh, uh like say with newspapers going behind a paywall online uh, trying out different uh, kinds of uh, you know revenue uh, generating uh, initiatives so so yeah i think uh, life for a journalist is is going to get far more challenging over the next few years so yeah and i'm while it is um a bit exciting because obviously that means that, you know, you have to learn new skills and you have to uh, really be on your toes all the time. It It is also a bit terrifying. Um, yeah, so that, so basically like interesting times ahead, you know, for, for journalists in India.
0: I totally agree with you, Meher. And we've seen this disruption in the US and it's interesting to see how the business models for the Indian newspapers are going to evolve as well. You know, it's it's very interesting when I look back at my childhood days. Young world was like a, a part of the Hindu newspaper that used to come every weekend, and you know that's how I started reading newspapers. So there's always this hook for, you know, for children, for adults to be connected to reading a you know a physical newspaper. Mm-hmm. And even with all these digital advances, uh, there are some things that are very nostalgic. And um, I'm curious to see how the the Indian uh, the newspaper ecosystem evolves as well yeah. to make it relevant to the modern times
1: yeah yeah a, a lot of uh, people especially in the tech world you know they had predicted that newspapers are going to die and uh everything is going to go online i don't think it's it's that simple uh and it's certainly not going to happen anytime soon in india but uh i think the industry will face a reckoning sometime soon uh which means that you know, newspapers will have to up their game in terms of the kinds of stories that they do, uh, the way they present these stories. So like papers will have to change the way they function in order to thrive or even survive in this internet era.
0: That's a very interesting prediction and perfect segue to your book that's been recently launched. So coming to your book, Flipkart is India's biggest startup. There's no doubt about that and was sold to Walmart. How did the idea
1: of your book shape up? Yeah. So, so, um, uh, you know, I've been writing on startups, uh, full-time since 2014 and, uh, in 2015, uh, uh, the funding boom in india was at its peak and generally there was a lot of euphoria around internet startups so at that time uh, suddenly uh, you know both uh, from uh, the media side as well the as, as well as the publishing side there was a lot of interest in doing uh, you know books and stories on startups so i was approached uh, by a very large publishing house in 2015 um, and the person who approached me uh, you know, he did not really have a specific idea in mind. Uh, so I pitched a book on Flipkart, but for some reason they were not excited about it at that time. And um, you know, even I had my doubts uh, because the Flipkart story really hadn't reached um, a, a certain conclusion, and uh, the uh, the direction of Flipkart was still not very clear. And besides, at that time I was not even sure that. Uh, You know, I could deliver a book because I had been used to writing about thousand word news articles and to make the leap from uh, news writing to, you know, doing a book. I mean, I I just wasn't sure if I could do it. But then uh, after the Walmart uh, buyout, I think uh, the Flipkart story had definitely reached a certain conclusion. And, um, you know, by this time, I had written several long form articles on Flipkart and really gone deep into... um, uh, uh, like inside the company and behind the scenes so i i felt confident that i could turn out a you know like a reasonable uh like a reasonably decent uh book um on on this uh, particular company because i've been tracking it for four years and uh you know it, it had been the main subject of my coverage um so from my perspective um just my confidence around uh uh being able to, uh, you know, take up such a project had increased. The Flipkart story had reached a conclusion. And at the same time, the story was just so compelling that I felt, you know, that there would be substantial interest in such a book. And um, I mean, I was like proven right immediately because um, after submitting the book proposal, within 10 days, we had gotten, you know, offers and interest from five Uh, different publishing houses so yeah so that is how the book shaped up really
0: that's pretty cool everybody wants to be a part of your big story right now that it's in the limelight and Flipkart is like all over the news you know stories like these as you rightly mentioned need to be very compelling very riveting to catch the attention of the book readers what were some of the things that ran in your mind as you were writing the story to make it that
1: way there were just so many things. I mean, you know, Flipkart is one of those uh, companies, uh, you know, whose uh, day-to-day uh, kind of functioning seemed to be, uh, you know, covered in newspapers. I mean, every day there would be 10, 15 stories on Flipkart um, for, uh, since 2014. So it, w- it was really a company that had, that had received a lot of media coverage. But at the same time, I felt that, you know, there was... Uh, very little that was actually known about the people behind flipkart as in including the Bunsels. um so uh, while i was reporting on it uh what shocked me was that um while i'd covered the uh company for four years i myself knew very little about you know the people behind flipkart so that that was really the most interesting thing i mean you know some of the the interesting tidbits about sachin uh bansal who is the uh, co-founder of flipkart um Again, were very interesting so he is someone you know who is who's a very radical uh internet entrepreneur i mean uh you know he is very very bold very audacious big thinker and uh you know he truly believes in silicon valley uh values uh you know that you can uh, just transform the world using technology and you know you really have to kind of uh, think big and you you know believe in yourself and stuff like that um so for for someone like him you know who is uh, who's who's such a uh, who otherwise had adopted silicon valley values wholesale uh, you know so Sachin had actually uh, had to stay back at IIT Delhi for one year to finish his course because he had failed uh, the first time so he actually never admitted to this failure um, you know because um, and I mean then you know when one speaks to people uh, you realize that it's because uh, the significance of the IITs is such is so big over here that you know even a guy like Sachin uh I could not admit to relative failure and you know he, uh, if you look at people like zuckerberg bill gates steve jobs etc i mean you know these are basically like uh you know college dropouts um and th- there are quite a few famous entrepreneurs who did not even attend college uh, uh so it was so things like these were like really very striking for me um i mean and there are really like dozens of such things in the book um yeah, so these are some of the personal uh, anecdotes that were very striking for me.
0: Right, and the book sketches in detail about the Bansals, as you mentioned, uh, Sachin and Bini Bansals, the the entrepreneurs behind the, uh, the big unicorn, you know, the venture capitalists, the startup valuation stories, their exits. Can you walk us through your research approach? Because, you know, for stories like these, as you mentioned, a lot of people don't know the, you know, the real people behind it. And some could be nice and speculation- so, how did you make sure you captured the real
1: stories? I conducted more than two hundred and fifty interviews for the book. Um, went through hundreds of uh, newspaper articles, hundreds of their interviews, uh, uh, any any video that is out there uh, about them online. I I poured through all these things, and then you know also going through a lot of regulatory documents that companies are required to file with. Uh, uh, registrar of companies in india so so from from the point of view of research it was just you know just kind of uh, trying to get each and every base covered uh, about uh, the company and these people and you no know, whatever there is there online whatever has been written about that i ensured that i uh, went through all these things and then uh, uh, i think it was uh, once so i started reporting on the book in uh, august of last year And um, by, I would say, late December, I had a certain idea of uh, the book in mind. And then it was really about, um, uh, you know, just like uh, 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 plugging the gaps in my knowledge about the company. Um, So I I would say much of the reporting for the book was really over by, uh, you know, say, uh, maybe late March. Um, and then I started writing the book uh, in uh, December. So uh, the book um, I finished my first draft by about June. So so the book uh, writing process was basically about six to seven months. Whereas the reporting uh, mar- a bulk of it was over by March, and uh, then I just uh, kind of uh, you know conducted interviews to fix gaps in my knowledge. Um, yeah. So this is uh, a bit about the process uh, behind the book.
0: You know what, you've covered this story for a very long time, right? Flipkart at least for a few years. And as a journalist, I'm curious, how do you put your bias aside? Because you might have a perspective on Flipkart versus the stories that you're you're hearing as part of your research. So how do you tend to balance your own
1: personal bias? Yeah, again, uh, you know, that's, that's a really interesting uh, uh, thing uh, to experience, actually, uh, especially the whole personal bias part when you're, uh, writing uh, uh, such a book, because I covered Flipkart for such a long time. So, you know, obviously, you would have biases. But I think the most important part is to be aware of these biases, uh, because I think it's it's really foolish uh, to, uh, you know, let yourself believe that uh, you don't have any biases, because it's it's not, it's, it's just not possible. I mean, there's no such thing as zero bias. So I think um, it's very important first us to um, be aware of your biases. And then, to construct, uh, you know, a paradigm, or uh, to have a set of metrics by which uh, you judge uh, events and people, um, and as as long as you are true to these uh, parameters that you have set, I think uh, then it's completely fine. And uh, so that is one uh, way in which I ensured that you know my uh, my bias as such doesn't really uh, creep into the book beyond uh, those set parameters. I think the second thing was that, um, you know, you just um, uh, you just try and uh, understand and empathize with the people that you're writing about. So even if, uh, you know, there was just so many different agendas over here within Flipkart that were at play, especially in the second half uh, of the story. So for me, it was very important to understand you know, what was really driving uh, all the major characters and how were their, uh, you know, ambitions and uh, fears uh, then, uh, you know, kind of affecting the course of Flipkart. So I think once you try and empathize with uh, all the major characters, I think that that is another way to kind of, uh, you know, ensure that uh, the bias doesn't really creep in. And I think uh, uh, another thing that really helped me was that, when I had conducted particularly explosive interviews, um, you know, I would take some time out, um, and just revisit these interviews after four or five days, so that I had some time to uh, kind of reflect on it. And, you know, I, I also had some time away from the subject matter, because I think uh, the uh, like what happens is that after you've conducted a really interesting and explosive interview, you you, you know you, you are just so excited that um, you sometimes uh, you know do not see the complete picture, and you know uh, then you end up getting influenced uh, by that interview or by that person you've just interviewed. So I think that kind of distance really helps. Um, so yeah, so these are some of the things that uh, you know I did to. Uh, ensure that uh, my personal bias doesn't really uh, you know creep in uh, beyond the set parameters that I had uh, uh, designed at the start
0: you know you've been very humble enough to open up into the journey that you've had as part of writing this book so thank you for sharing that uh, tidbit with our listeners here what would you say are the main
1: characters in your story So the main character is uh, Sachin Bansal, who is the, uh, who's the founder and was a CEO of Flipkart for a very long time. Uh, After that, uh, you know, and obviously, uh, the second main character would be Bani Bansal, who was his co-founder, and uh, he also became Flipkart CEO in 2016. So these are the two main characters. And then, uh, you know, there are, uh, in the second half of the book, uh, again, uh, uh, There's this guy, Leaf Excel, who was uh, the main investor uh, at Flipkart, uh, who was the managing director of this New York-based investment firm called Tiger Global Management. Um, So these three, along with uh, Kalyan Krishnamurti, who was uh, an understudy to Leaf Excel at Tiger Global. So these four are the main characters as such um, in that order. Um, And then there are um, people who... You know, play an important role in certain parts of the book. But um, as far as the main characters are concerned, I guess you could say these four are are those.
0: That's very interesting. And if you look back at the story of Flipkart, they started out as an online bookstore, right? With a very meager initial capital of 4 lakh rupees, around like uh, 5,000 to 6,000 US dollars. And as you were covering the story, what do you think made them into the unicorn that they were as a competitor to Amazon, which prompted Walmart to come in and pick up this big company. How do you think they made this transition happen?
1: A complex story from that point of view, because, uh, you know, there was no, uh, I mean, there was no like one such moment or something, but, uh, uh, you know, like there were a few key moments, like for instance, you know, in 2008, uh, so the Bansal started out in 2007 um, and in, in, for the first 18 months, you know they were rejected by all the investors that they had approached um they were rejected by most of their acquaintances and classmates whom they had approached uh, to join the company uh they were uh, you know advised against uh doing an e-commerce venture by pretty much everyone they knew so the first 18 months was really like a was was a very very uh you know, difficult time for them was a period of uh, uh, just struggle and uh, you know frustration and rejection. So after that, um, they somehow managed to convince you know uh, a small investment firm to put up a uh, million dollars, and that too that that investment firm only agreed to do that in three tranches. Um, so that was about uh, the spring of two thousand and nine, and then a few months later, you know, this guy Leaf Excel. Uh, who was uh, a very young guy at that time in his uh, mid to late 20s. And, you know, then uh, he was just uh, kind of doing some... So he was interested in uh, uh, companies in emerging markets like India, uh, internet startups in emerging markets like India. So he was just kind of Googling, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, names of books uh, just to figure out, you know, which are the e-commerce companies in India uh, that, uh, you know, uh, are, are... are, are, are out there so every time he searched uh for a book flipkart's name popped up and um it was so you know he was just uh really surprised because he had never heard of flipkart and you know then on a whim he just like wrote to them and uh he got in touch and then within two months uh, uh you know flipkart had an investment of 10 million dollars and that was just an astonishing um you know, deal for that time because most uh, startup deals at that time would take, uh, you know, like at least four to six months to get completed, uh, and you would you would not hear of someone you know sitting in the US uh, who just decides to uh, invest in an e-commerce company in India after just you know uh, one or two calls and maybe one meeting with the founders of uh, of such a company. So I think that investment just completely. A transform flip card because after that you know the bansals just became so ambitious and you know they were also so uh kind of encouraged that someone had finally seen you know what their vision was and what their ability was because while the first 18 months was a period of struggle for them they had actually become really good at delivering excellent customer service so um just um just a sidetrack. So basically they, uh, Sachin and Bini had both worked at Amazon India before starting Flipkart. And, you know, over there, especially Sachin was just totally radicalized by Amazon's uh, dogma of customer obsession. And, you know, when they started Flipkart, they started out with this idea that they would just delight their customers at whatever cost. So they'd actually become really good, uh, you know, at uh, the actual business of e-commerce. And, when the Tiger investment happened, that was really the validation that they needed, and they really never looked back after that. So that was one really key moment um, in their journey. And uh, you know, after that, um, uh, there were there were several other things. But uh, uh, from the point of view of uh, their personalities, they they were really both very very introverted, uh, you know, very geekish, uh, like typical engineers. So they were not really good at the operational part of e-commerce uh, you know so e-commerce at that time was all about dealing with um courier partners with logistics companies with uh, you know suppliers uh, with uh, you know regulators with basically like it was just a very very uh, uh, like a, a very uh, like it was a business where you had to really uh, you know hustle and uh, kind of get Work done from people. It was not a pure tech uh, business like, say, you know, social networking or search engines. So, over here, uh, you know, the Bansas are completely not equipped to uh, do this. So, what, uh, so, and they realized that very quickly. So, what they did was they hired a lot of smart, driven people who were good at these aspects and they just let them lose. So, uh, I think they realized this early on that for things that they are not good at, they should just hire smart people and not tell them what to do. Just kind of let them lose, give them independence, give, give them authority, make them feel, uh, you know, like Flipkart is their company. So I think these are some things that uh, really propelled Flipkart into, um, you know, into uh, uh, like that crazy expansion mode that they entered from 2009 till 2016.
0: I totally agree on the customer obsession, right? Because uh, over here in the U.S., Amazon is the first e-commerce company that comes to your mind. And anything that you need to purchase, it's Amazon is the first thing that you talk about. Right. You know, how the Bunsells had this experience of, uh, you know, how do you learn from these kinds of companies and using those experiences to build Flipkart. I think that's that's a great uh, leadership trait over there. And I agree with you in terms of how do you complement your skills, right? If uh, you lack in one, you know, how do you uh, hire smart people who can do that for you in, a, in an excellent way? And That was a great way of building teams and building the morale of the teams as well. So I'm
1: just curious here, Meher, did
0: you get a chance to interview the Bansals as part of your research?
1: Oh, no. So uh, both of them declined to participate for the book. Um, I mean, I've interviewed them several times, both uh, formally and informally, uh, you know, while I was, uh, uh, I mean, before the... Uh, sale to Walmart um, as part of my work at Mint. But uh, both of them declined to participate for the book. And it that that really wasn't surprising because the circumstances of their uh, departures, uh, you know, from Flipkart were very, very uh, controversial. Dramatic. Even when I started uh, working on the book, I did not really expect them to uh, participate, uh, you know, in the book. Uh, so they, they declined to participate, but I had access to a lot of people, who had played a very key role in building Flipkart. Um, so, you know, as I said, I conducted more than 250 interviews, and most of these interviews were with uh, uh, Flipkart employees. Yeah, so while the Bunsells did not participate, I had access to a lot of the other key characters in the Flipkart story uh, across uh, 11 years that the company was an independent firm.
0: That's understandable. Have you given them a copy of the book post the launch?
1: <laughs> uh, no, not really. Um, I mean, I, I'm not sure, you know, what their reaction would be. So, yeah, so I haven't really um, given a copy of the book to them.
0: You've known the founders, you know, as you were covering the Flipkart story over the last few years. Was there any surprising moment for you when you look back at your book writing journey? Something that you unveiled about, uh, you know, the, these people behind the story?
1: Um, Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that whole, uh, I mean, uh, Sachin, uh, uh, having to stay back for a year at IIT, that was one of the uh, things. Another was, you know, how uh, they had come very close to selling Flipkart in less than a year of starting out because they had been, uh, you know, they were so dejected that they had been, you know, that they had not been able to raise capital, that they had not been able to, you know, convince anyone to join them. So these were some of the uh, moments in the early years. Um, And again, uh, you know, there are many, many such moments throughout the book where, uh, uh, you know, where basically there's just not public information uh, uh, that has been kind of uncovered in the book. Uh, Yeah, so uh, apart from these two, I I would say, you know, like not giving too much away, but uh, uh, like other uh, key moments were, you know a lot of the internal drama between uh, Sachin Bini, Kalyan and Leaf Excel. um so you know a, a, a lot of details about that um, had not been uh, like I, I even i did not know about these details and then of course you know how the sale uh, with Walmart was put together i mean there was just so much um uh, drama and so many last minute changes that happened uh, you know that it, it 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 was kind of incredible that as big a deal as a 21 billion transaction was put together in such a you know dramatic way yeah so these are some Mm -hmm. of the things that uh, really even surprised me even though I had been covering Flipkart um, for a while Mm -hmm.
0: so dramatic enough that it could soon be a motion picture is what I understand
1: yeah yeah so uh, again that that was uh, really surprising for me so that my agent basically uh, you know after I finished writing the book my agent uh, pitched it to uh uh this production house and you know they just immediately uh, agreed uh to buy the rights um, uh f- the 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 uh, the visual rights for the book so i i still don't know whether it's going to be a, a movie or uh, a web series uh, or a tv series but yeah the i mean we have sold the the visual rights of the book
0: that's pretty interesting congratulations i in a nutshell meher why should people
1: read this book um, so I would say, you know, there are many reasons. But if I have to kind of, uh, you know, just say it very briefly, I would say that, you know, a lot of people, in fact, most people in the startup world, uh, you know, in India, aspire to greatness. Uh, anyone who aspires to greatness would want to read about the people who came closest to achieving it, uh, which, you know, was the case of Flipkart and the bansals. So I think that is a big, big draw that, this is the story, this is a classic story of a pioneer, uh, you know, of really um, building something massive in no time. So I think that that aspect of, you know, the underdogs uh, achieving their dreams and, uh, you know, becoming like these big successes, I think that uh, if, if you like these kind of stories, you would want to read this book.
0: So Flipkart was an Indian story that put us into the limelight around okay. the world, post the Walmart acquisition. What are your two cents about the future of the Indian ecosystem and, you know, how these, uh, you know, big conglomerates or companies outside of India, you know, come and start acquiring our Indian companies?
1: Yeah, so that's, uh, you know, that's that's a pretty complex uh, situation because um, over here, I mean, you know, while Flipkart is, is a big success story, it is also a bit of a, you know, bittersweet uh, tale because... Um, I mean, once Flipkart had become a big company by 2014, you know, the Bansals really wanted to create a hundred billion company. And, you know, they fell far short of doing that. So the sale to Walmart, you know, came as a big relief in a way, uh, you know, for Flipkart and its investors. So I think um, from that perspective, definitely, uh, you know, Flipkart is a missed opportunity, because it could have been a far, far bigger company. And, there, there is no way that, uh, you know, selling selling out to um, anyone was a part of uh, the plan until the very end. So I would say that, uh, you know, while uh, it, it was not the most desirable outcome, it was really a necessary one for Flipkart uh, because if the sale to Walmart hadn't happened, you know, there was it, it was it 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 would be very doubt it would be very difficult to see where the exit for Flipkart investors would come from, and um, yeah, so I think that is definitely one aspect. But I think in general, uh, you know, these kind of acquisitions, uh, at least of this scale, are are very very rare, and they will continue to be very very rare in India because Flipkart was really an exception in most ways, and. Um, you know, I, I don't think any of the current companies um, have built a, a company that is as uh, high quality and as ambitious and as, uh, you know, clean that Flipkart was. So uh, it's it's very doubtful to see such a large scale exit happening in the Indian startup ecosystem for a, for a while to come. I think in general about um, American or Chinese companies acquiring uh, Indian startups, I mean, that one really has to see uh, what the context is. I mean, uh, you know, for instance, if uh, if say a Google acquires a small company, um, it's I don't think it's that uh, uh, like it's it's not that big development. But I think any any space where you know there is a scope for a company to establish monopolies uh, or monopolistic positions, I think those those kind of positions. I think you have to be very, very uh, skeptical and concerned of. So I would say that, you know, any large acquisition, even if uh, such a large acquisition happens, uh, would have to be uh, analyzed and uh, investigated from the point of view of uh, antitrust issues. Um, Yeah.
0: Right. And that's where we love the work of
1: investigative journalists like you, Meher. So I hope you... You'll continue doing the great work that you've been doing. Yeah, so now, uh, actually, uh, you know, Flipkart and Amazon have, uh, uh, I, I mean, they're they pursuing very different strategies. So Amazon, uh, you know, like it uh, does in the US, they basically just want to sell everything uh, and they want to be the everything store for, um, you know, everyone. Whereas Flipkart has decided that it's going to be very, very, uh, you know, tactical about its approach and Uh, You know, they have, uh, they have identified three or four very, very important categories for them. uh, And they are the biggest in these categories, and they're very happy to let Amazon win in the others. So I think, uh, so I mean, I think, uh, you know, one of the Flipkart leaders said it uh, uh, very succinctly that, you know, Amazon stands for service, whereas Flipkart stands for uh, value. So I think that is a, uh, is a pretty accurate uh uh, encapsulation of you know what these two brands uh stand for in the minds of consumers
0: that's very interesting and i hope those values continue to coexist with the the indian ecosystem going forward as well thank you so much Mehir, for those wonderful insights about the book and your life as a journalist but before we let you go we're gonna have a fun rapid fire round are you ready for that
1: Yep.
0: awesome so i'll give you a word or a a line and you tell me the first thing that comes to your mind yeah role model
1: jürgen klopp
0: okay and who's this person i'm just curious uh
1: he is the uh coach of uh liverpool
0: got it so which one would you choose being an author or a journalist author what's your native language and one word to describe yourself in that language
1: uh gujarati saru and what does it mean it means uh nice what does happiness mean to you not having to work for money and just um, pursuing what I want to do. And here's a a
0: fun question.
1: How do you unwind? I read and I listen to music.
0: Well, that was Mihir Dalal. Uh, Mihir, it was such a pleasure having you on my show, Karib Startup Podcast. And thank you for opening up and sharing a lot about your personal story and how you covered the Flipkart story and any parting thoughts for our listeners?
1: I I would just like to say that, uh, you know, I hope uh, there are more such uh, books about Indian startups uh, that come out because there are some very compelling stories that have not been uncovered um, and, you know, that deserve to be told. Um, And yeah, please do uh, pick up a copy of this book um, if you are interested in knowing about Indian businesses.
0: Right. It's one of the most compelling stories out there. And thank you, Meher. Uh, We wish your book is a huge hit and continues to inspire a lot of uh, Indian entrepreneurs and people across the globe to understand what it takes to be successful and the failures that come as part of it as well.
1: Yep. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me here, Priyanka.